0: Welcome to Stuck On 22, a podcast about the Lehigh Valley. I'm your host, Joe Corcoran, and our guests today are Garrett Wilson and Riley Armstrong from your Lehigh Valley Phantoms, and we'll get them on here in just a minute. A lot of interesting news in the Valley this week. A man from Lansford has been charged with trying to take a suitcase containing explosives onto an Allegiant flight out of LVIA. Scary. Glad to see our airport security processes have worked out, and that was stopped. ArtsQuest has announced a new partnership with Upper Mukundee Township for several events, including an Upper Mac Days Festival. We're trying to get a representative from ArtsQuest or Upper Mukundee Township to come on a future episode of Stuck on 22 to talk about those events. And the Saucon Valley School District is in the news. A group calling itself the After School Satan Club has requested space in a district school. Permission was originally given for the program and then rescinded. The group which says they don't promote Satan, but merely free inquiry and rationalism, quote unquote, is seeking to start the program because the school district allows another church-related group to have a presence there. This one could get interesting. Stuck on 22 is brought to you by the Devin Joe Corcoran Group at Keller Williams Real Estate. Have a real estate question? Reach out to us today at 484-893-1234. We're deep in the bowels of the PPL center again this week to speak with another Phantom star. This week we're lucky enough to have Garrett Wilson join us. Hey Garrett. Hey Joe, thanks for having me. You've been the hot hand lately.
1: Yeah, I you know, I was I was always cold there for a little bit, but then uh, you know how it is one goes in and then they all start going in. So yeah, rolling pretty good right now.
0: Now I know athletes in general are pretty superstitious, so is there anything you're doing to keep that streak going? You've got five uh, five game point streak going right now.
1: Yeah, actually, uh yeah, this isn't an ad or anything, but I started, I switched up my pregame spot there before the one game, and that's what sparked the hat trick there. I go to uh, Zeo's now in the Tillman Square. Oh, they've
0: got good food over you there. Know, I go there Penny, myself. Penne
1: vodka there. I, I, <laughs> I switched it up there one day, and uh,
0: it worked for me, so I've been sticking with that. All right, a hat trick last week and uh, another goal over the weekend and uh a lot of good things in store we're hitting the playoff push now uh 19 games left in the season as we talk today um what is it going to take for the phantoms to to make the playoffs this year
1: oh uh, yeah it's it's tight you know you look up up and down our whole division it's it's uh it's been a lot of movement uh uh you know it's within three or four points between the last spot in the division to the to the top four spots so um you know it, this is the time of year it's it, playoff playoff start in mid-April but really they're starting right now for us you know every game is big and uh, every point you can uh, scrounge is big so uh, you know we're just gonna have to you know we got the depth we got uh, we got the goaltending with Sammy Erson back and uh, so we just got to play playoff hockey from from right now till the end of the way.
0: Yeah Sammy's been hot uh, 4-0-0 I think since February 4th so uh, it's good to have him back in the in the net.
1: Yeah, yeah, you know, if you're gonna go anywhere in the playoffs, you need a goalie, and, and we got him in in hers. So uh, yeah, we we gotta do a job in front of him, and uh, he'll he'll make the saves he needs to make.
0: Who is the Phantom's biggest rival? Would you say?
1: Um, I I probably Hershey. You know, yeah. like I used to play in Wilkes-Barre, so I I played Hershey, then they're the rival then too. So I, I'd say for myself and the fans probably Hershey
0: when I talk to fans it's usually split between Scranton or Hershey. yeah yeah
1: no yeah so I used to be be a penguin so I can't really say that I think yet <laughs> but uh I've had a lot of hate for Hershey over the years
0: let's talk about your time in Scranton you had uh, an opportunity to also spend a little bit of time uh during that season your last season with Scranton I believe it was with the pens uh and play on a Stanley Cup winning team
1: yeah um yeah so my last year it was 2018-2019 uh I was just named captain of the, the Wilkes-Barre Penguins, actually, and then uh, had a good start to the season, uh, a few injuries up top, and then uh, I got the call and took advantage of my opportunity and was able to stick there for 50-something games. So, uh, you know, that, that was the year after they went back-to-back, so it was, they are trying to 3 Uh We made the playoffs there that year, but kind of ran out of gas. The big boys ran out of gas. We lost four straight to the Islanders.
0: Oh, I'm sorry. I thought yeah. that was the year you, that the Pens won. I'm sorry. No, I'm going, no, was, uh, uh, no I
1: black ace the year before that Okay, uh, All when, right. they, when they won their second championship in a row there versus Nashville.
0: Okay. So you mentioned a term there, black ace. Yeah. Um, some hockey fans may be familiar with it. Some won't. Uh, do you want to describe what a black ace is? Uh, black
1: ace, it's uh, it's kind of like uh, a little bit of the taxi squad, what happened during COVID year. Uh, you're, there was probably 10 of us uh, guys from the AHL. Once our season ended, uh, Pittsburgh was obviously still going for their run. So they, they call us up. We go you go live in the hotel in Pittsburgh, and uh, you skate uh, early in the morning kind of just to stay ready in case the injury, the injury bug hits uh, the big club. So uh, you just go there, skate, work out, and then you're done for the day and pretty much do it all over again until uh, about the middle of June.
0: <laughs> all right, so it gives you a taste of... Uh of the NHL life but uh you're you're kind of involved up to a point
1: yeah exactly they, they try to keep you away as much as they can you know we're we're going to the rink at six in the morning and we're pretty much out of there before they're even waking up so <laughs> you gotta stay you gotta do what you gotta do to stay right though. Know, is you know a couple guys out of the black ace group would get get the call and you go practice with the big club if they had a couple guys that were nicked up and uh you know but for the most part it was just us with our hl coaches and we we're it was fun you know just a couple of drills we went with the goalies and we'd play three on three just to keep skating and stay on the ice so it was a lot
0: of fun yeah there was one guy from that group i think that i saw um used to see on instagram with uh was it uh Jean desa JSD. That- yeah yeah
1: yeah is that who you're talking about yeah idea yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah he's in uh, arizona now yeah yeah he, he's a bit of a character um you know yeah, I don't know. He, he was a good player. He's just a little, you know, French guy.
0: Yeah, he he seemed a little goofy.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, he was out there. He uh, he kind of did his own thing in that, So, but no, he's a good guy.
0: Cool. So um, I started to look into the term a little bit. I had heard it before, but never really knew the origin. I love to find out the origin of things. So the term black ace actually came about in the 40s. And it was from former Bruins player Eddie Shore. Mm-hmm. And Eddie was the owner of the Springfield Indians, which was their you know AHL equivalent yeah. uh, uh, team at the time. And if you got in his doghouse, you were said to be on the Black Aces, um, because you weren't allowed to practice with the team. And you had to do odd jobs, including painting the arena <laughs> or other things in order to stay with the team. And then you would usually be stuck there until you earned your way off through practice time, or if somebody else got hurt or ended up in Shore's doghouse. Yeah. So that's, yeah, that's where the term cool, Black yeah. Ace came from and Don Cherry wrote about it in his book. So that's yeah. kind of how
1: it came no, yeah, to be. Yeah. You know, like, like I said, yeah, they kept us pretty much away from the team <laughs> there, you know, we'd, we'd be done our day by about 9 a.m. We were able to go get a nice breakfast and then hit, hit the bar for a few beers, a few beverages <laughs> and uh, do it all again Play a little golf or something? Yeah, yeah but, golf. Yeah, exactly. The weather, a bad the weather, yeah, it was it Yeah, it was summertime by that time. So it yeah. was a lot of fun.
0: Oh, awesome so let's talk about your start in the game you were drafted by the Panthers organization was it 2010
1: uh oh nine I think 09. it was yeah okay. yeah 2009 uh my draft was in Montreal so that was pretty fun uh because you're only 18 and drinking age is 18 there so it was actually worked out perfect all of the guys that got drafted were, were able to go out that night and celebrate so that was pretty cool definitely getting drafted by them um and then just going down to Fort Lauderdale for development camps and stuff like that was a lot of fun with the, with the weather and all that. So it was cool. And um, I was able to actually uh, get a few games with them. So it was good.
0: I remember when Florida came into the league, you know, teams like Florida and uh, Arizona and before that, the Kings going hockey in warm weather places, you know, yeah. what's that going to be like? Because I remember when... Uh, they'd have problems at the old spectrum in Philadelphia when the weather started to get too warm in the spring yeah. that you know they'd have problems when they tried to put the wooden floor down for basketball or whatever um, that condensation would form or or if the Flyers were making a run that the ice would turn too soft in April and May yeah and the fact that they were going to put teams there but I guess air, air <laughs> yeah. conditioning and refrigeration and everything kind of
1: come a long way I guess yeah they uh, it's funny though. Yeah, my first few years pro is Florida or San Antonio so we were both in a pretty warm spot so I got used to the the crappy ice pretty pretty early on there in my pro career. Is there a difference? Oh uh, yeah like it is like I, I remember our one game in San Antonio they'd always have the rodeo there every February uh, for the month of February so then we'd come back and uh They would just finish getting all the dirt and everything up from the rodeo, and we'd have a game, and our one game uh, got canceled halfway through the first because there's just holes all over the ice kind of thing. We had to come back and play it in a a week or two after. So it was pretty funny they just shut the game right down because the the ice had had holes everywhere.
0: It's funny you're saying that after today, uh, this past weekend, the uh, The monster trucks, monster trucks were here at PPL Center, so they're outside, you know, Power washing the mud off the sidewalks yeah. and everything.
1: No, I don't know how they do that. Getting that dirt in here and getting it out of here—it's—it's got to be a—it's
0: got to be quite it's an operation. Be a mess.
1: Yeah, for sure.
0: I think the first year they did it, uh, the morning caller somebody put a time lapse photograph showing. Oh, yeah. All the trucks and how many trips yeah. they took in and out to move the dirt That's around. Crazy. <laughs> um, so you grew up in. Is it Elmvale, Elmvale? Yeah, Elmvale, yeah. Elmvale, Ontario.
1: Ontario. Yeah, yeah, just north of Barrie, Ontario. Small town, uh, population of, I think the sign said when I was a kid, like 1,700 when mm-hmm. I was growing up was uh, the size. So a really small town, um, kind of like a farm town a little bit, uh, just north of Barrie. And, uh, but, no, we had a good group of guys there. I like, always had a decent hockey team, a lot of
0: uh, athletes uh, my age and that. So it was a lot of fun kind of growing up through there the difference between I mean coming from a small town like that as you start to you know for a lot of athletes in any sport um grew up in a small town and then you start to get exposed to you know larger areas and more metropolitan how much of an adjustment is that for you
1: yeah you know it's it's different um I, I actually I didn't play triple-a hockey until I was uh my draft OHL draft year it was my first year triple-a so I just played rep hockey in my hometown of Elmville there the, the whole way up and then uh you kind of go and it's your draft year so you're then you're playing in barrier, you're playing some bigger centers and that like that and stuff like that and then uh and then i was actually drafted to windsor played a year in windsor in the OHL, and then was Owen sound so then another small town Owen sound playing my three years of OHL there so then i didn't really get to a bigger town until i got to san antonio pretty much is when i uh, moved to a bigger city and yeah it's a bit of an adjustment you know you're living by yourself you have no billets anymore stuff like that so um you, you gotta learn pretty quick uh how to be an adult and uh, you know I was lucky I had good uh, leadership guys the older guys there when I was coming up younger and it made everything uh, the transition smooth.
0: Who was your idol as a player growing up? Uh, growing up
1: I always liked like Sakik and Eiserman, those kind mm-hmm. of guys um, you know obviously like Matt Sundin like watching the Leafs every every Saturday night and that he was always good uh, yeah those are probably three that I, I followed a lot.
0: Have a chance to meet any of them?
1: Um, no, I haven't met, uh, maybe Eisenman once okay. or, yeah, I mean, but no, not, none of those big three, actually. I haven't really met them. Yeah. But no, I met some cool guys, you know, like when I was in Florida, uh, Bobby Orr lived down there and that's when I was scratched with Florida, um, Sean Thornton, he would be scratched with the odd time and he was friends with Bobby from his days in Boston. So I got yeah. to sit and watch games with him. So that was pretty cool. Uh, little things like that. I always remember.
0: You can learn a lot watching with other people who i yeah. have done it before.
1: Yeah, no, for sure. There's uh, a lot there. Yeah, a lot to take from it.
0: So let's talk uh, a little bit about your family. You married?
1: Yep, yep, right. married. Uh, just had a kid there in in September there, so he's uh, five, six months old there now. So uh, it's a little bit different this year. A boy? Yeah, had a boy, Ty. Uh, yeah, he's doing great. He was a big boy at birth, 10.8 pounder. So, wow. <laughs> yeah, he was a big guy. Yeah, but no, he's been awesome, sleeping well. Um, yeah, no, it's been awesome. Fantastic. Yeah.
0: What's your um, what's your favorite road trip in the AHL?
1: Um, probably Charlotte. I like Charlotte on the the Eastern Conference. Uh, Charlotte's one of our better ones. It's a nice city. The weather's a little bit warmer. Um, you know, I like playing at the rink there and that. So probably Charlotte, and you get to go there for a couple days. So that's always a fun one.
0: Okay. And conversely, your least favorite
1: least favorite.
0: probably going to somewhere like
1: Bridgeport something like that you know like you know they're right they're there they don't get too many fans there the atmosphere is always pretty dead so uh, you know some, sometimes it's tough to get up for those ones
0: it's a trip too from here yeah yeah exactly <laughs> yeah so here we sit at the beginning of March we're looking at a schedule with 12 games this month eight of them are here at the PPL Center um, over half of them are against either scranton or hershey so this is kind of a make or break stretch for the phantoms
1: yeah you know um yeah coming down the stretch all these games with uh, division opponents it's they're pretty much four point swings every night so uh yeah we got to be ready to go and, and find a way to start playing elevating our game play playoff hockey now like i said earlier and uh you know you know every team they're going to be uh loading up kind of get their their hl team into the playoffs too so uh Every team's going to be playing desperate, and it's going to be some hard-fought games, and it's going to be the team that makes less mistakes probably usually get get her done.
0: All right, so we'll keep having a good... Nice Italian dinner at Zio yeah. and pumping in some points and leading the Phantoms to some victories. And you know what? The third period has gotten crazy lately. Maybe we could decide one of these things a little sooner.
1: <laughs> yeah, I agree with that. Yeah, losing uh, years off of my life some of these games. But, uh, you know, it's, it's fun, and it's a fun time here to be playing right now. I and mean, this is when uh, the games matter. So uh, hopefully we can put our best foot forward here and get uh, start stringing some together here going into the playoffs.
0: All right. Garrett Wilson from your Cardiac Phantoms today on the show. (laughs) Thanks for joining us, Garrett. Good luck for the rest of the season.
1: Yeah, thanks, Joe. appreciate it.
0: Hi, I'm Joe Corcoran from the Deb and Joe Corcoran Group at Keller Williams Real Estate, and I'm applying for a job. I'm asking you to interview me for the job of selling your home. Why do I put it this way? Because many people hire someone for this job without really interviewing the person they've selected, probably because they don't know the right questions to ask. All real estate agents are different. Some have been properly trained on marketing techniques and some haven't. Some know the right angle the photographer should use to best show off your great kitchen, but sadly a lot don't. Some know how to write advertising copy that gets attention for your home on the multiple listing service and some write a laundry list of generic features because they don't know any better. And some know that a $1 difference in your list price can mean more offers and a higher sale price. If you'd like to interview the right person to sell your home, give us a call, 484-893-1234. That's 484-893-1234. I'll even bring along a list of questions for you to ask. The Deb and Joe Corcoran Group, your financially literate realtors. Phantoms assistant coach Riley Armstrong sitting down with us now to talk some Phantoms hockey. Welcome, Riley. Welcome back, I guess I should
2: say. Awesome. Thanks, Joe. It's been a couple of weeks. It has. Been, it has yeah.
0: been a little while. Um, so the past week, a road trip while the uh, the monster trucks took over the home ice. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Got that right. They brought a lot of dirt in, that's for sure. They uh, sure did. Yeah, yeah. they're still cleaning. They're still cleaning it up. But uh, I think it, it takes a full crew to make those arena changes, uh, switching it out and doing all that kind of stuff. So they spent a lot of hours here.
0: Yeah, yeah, I'm sure they do. <laughs> I can't, I can't imagine. It. Uh, Garrett and I were talking about it, how they they do all that in just a, you know a day or two, and and turn the arena into a monster truck jam, and then take it all away again.
2: Yeah, yeah, it's crazy, it's crazy. But they they do it for uh, Disney on Ice, and um, you know all that kind of stuff. Even when a concert comes in the town, and all the trucks are wheeling in and out of here. So it's uh it's it's quite the process to kind of watch how they do it all. It's uh, pretty cool.
0: So we've had the road trip and as we were talking with Garrett earlier the Cardiac Phantoms were on full display. Um I said we're going to have to settle one of these games a little earlier than uh <laughs> 2 minutes remaining in the third
2: period. Yeah, um you know I think that's our our division and we've been playing in our division probably uh since the All-Star break now and you know, when, whenever you go back and even look at the history, all games are really tight. I talked to some coaches on the other uh, teams within the division, and they always say the same thing. They're like, "Oh, it's never a six-one or a five-nothing game. You know, it's always overtime, shootouts, uh, one-goal games." So they're always uh, they always put a little more pressure on your heart than you want.
0: Four of the last five have been four-to-three games.
2: Yeah, I think it's exciting though. Like, it is. It's it's, like, it
0: is exciting.
2: You know, it's cool for. The young players on our team to play in games like that that are that mean something and they have to make the little player block that shot or get the puck out at the right time um, I think it's going to prepare them for the next level and then for the fans coming you know it's not like you're just snoozing through and it's five nothing and you know the game's over so um, I think it keeps everybody pretty engaged throughout the full uh, course of the game
0: what are you looking for in those games from the players um
2: Looking for mostly the guys who are consistent. Um, you know, not every shift you're going to score a goal, but uh, consistent in the way that you manage the game and you manage the puck. Um, you know, and then when you are in the lead, how how are you playing with the lead? Are you still trying to play the same way? Are you staying on your toes or are you sitting back? And, uh, you know, if we're trailing by one or two, just like we were against Bridgeport there, you know how the we can tilt the ice and the momentum and uh, Garrett uh, actually one of our older guys uh, he's actually been tilting the ice pretty good for us in the last uh, four or five games so um, he's definitely put the team on his back.
0: What do you do as coaches uh, for like what do you tell the players either when you're behind by a lot or when you're ahead by a lot to kind of either re-motivate them or to make sure they don't get complacent?
2: Yeah, I, th- I think it's um, kind of the belief when we're trailing. You know, we're, we're down by two against Bridgeport or we're down by one in the final 10 minutes, and it's that belief that we've come back before um, and we can do it again. And I think uh, when when you do it and it works, guys are automatically, they're they're dialed in and they're, they're ready to go. Um, I think sometimes when you get a lead, um guys always think it's going to be point night and they're like oh i'm going to cheat and i'm going to get my little cookies here and there i'm going to pad the stats and then all of a sudden it's you know three one three two and teams start coming back on you um and that's kind of where you have to remind the guys you know it's not point night you were successful because you you played this way so continue to play that way and the points or your ice time and all that stuff will take care of itself
0: is that the major thing that you see when a team gives up a lead? Is guys starting to get maybe a little more lax because they think it's uh, they don't have to work as hard on the defensive end, and it's more about trying to get a point?
2: Yeah, I, I, I think it's big time like yeah. that. Um, and and you I, I think you might not see it with like the older guys like the Cal O'Reillys or the Garrett Wilsons, uh, but you might see with a with the younger guy coming into the league where maybe they did that at college or they did it in junior hockey and it, it worked for them. Um, But this is a a different game here. Um, They have good players on other teams. And, you know, you you have one defensive letdown where you're not consistent of doing the right thing. And all of a sudden, it's in the back of your net. Now we're on our heels. And they tilt the ice and they start pouring it on. And, you know, you can dig yourself, especially in today's NHL or in, in NHL and American League, I've seen teams in the NHL lose four or five goal leads this season already. So um, I think the way that they call penalties, um, how much more offensive other teams are and players are, I think they can uh, flip the script pretty quick on on, uh, on you if you're not uh, being consistent.
0: Lessons learned.
2: Yes, every, <laughs> every day there's
0: a lesson learned, I'll tell you that. Yeah. All right, so we've had an exciting stretch. We've got an exciting stretch coming up in March. 19 games left in the season as we talk today, 12 of those in the month of March um eight are here at the ppl center so get your tickets now
2: <laughs> <laughs> go go and get them no it's it's crazy i felt uh kind of around christmas and into january we were on the road i am amber mentioned she's like geez you, you haven't been home yeah. um and and now we have that home stretch here where we're at home for pretty much the majority of the season now for the rest of the year so um you know i think it's good good home cooking oh you gotta love home cooking i i love it i i don't mind the the eating out part uh you do it on the road quite a bit but to go home and be able to sit down with uh the the family and and enjoy kind of a routine of eating at you know six o'clock instead of seven or ten o'clock at night um it's always pretty comforting
0: and we better tell zios that garrett's coming (laughs) oh yeah
2: yeah you you better get (laughs) get those plates hot yeah keep them hot (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> All right, we also have a big stretch out of those uh those games this month that are against the team's two biggest rivals Hershey and Scranton Wilkes-Barre.
2: Yeah, so. I think it's absolutely crazy. I, I I don't know how the schedule's made or what they do, but like to just constantly play the same team back to back to back it you know, it, it almost acts as like a playoff type feel in those games. And I'm pretty sure it, it will be because us and Wilkes-Barre and we're kind of pushing up to Hershey here. And it's, it's going to be a really good battle. Um, and I, you know, back to what I was saying before about having those, the, the young guys, the kind of future of the Flyers, being able to play in those types of playoff like games, I think is going to be big and a, a, a really big push for us to get back into a good playoff race. I think the last time the Phantoms were in a good playoff race was 2018 or something yeah, like that. Yeah, I was going to say, so, I think
0: that was the last one.
2: Yeah, so it's it's going to be a pretty exciting time, I think.
0: The standings are kind of starting to separate a little bit. There's starting to be some gaps appearing. Uh, Hershey was on top most of the season, and Providence has now taken over the number one spot as Hershey's kind of slumped a little bit. Um thankfully that's because the Phantoms finally started to win some games against the Bears. <laughs> you got but, that right. But uh you know you're starting to see wilkes is now on the bottom of the standings uh with only 52 points uh the Phantoms tied with Springfield with 58. Um so there's starting to, to be some gaps there.
2: Yeah, um you know and and we play wilkes barre a lot so I think that kind of will dictate their future and our future as well. Um those are big four-point games when you're playing against your own division. And, you know, to to win those games, you can make that separation a lot more or it can close pretty quick on you as well. Um, you know, so we have a lot against Wilkesbury and Hershey, and uh, we play, we go to Bridgeport a couple more times. Um, and then the other thing is, on the other side, this weekend, Hers- or, uh, Hartford and, and Bridgeport play each other twice, back-to-back, mm-hmm. Friday, Saturday. So those are games where we hope just one team win wins but like we talked about a lot of it's overtime and those shootout games and stuff like so that so you can so. pick
0: up a point and, st- and, and you know still lose
2: but yeah and kind of still stay in that hunt though yeah. and uh you know that's where we'll be watching to make sure or not make sure but just watch to see kind of hopefully it's not three point games
0: and we get to see a couple of teams that don't make it in here too often uh toronto's coming in um over the weekend um and there's a special promotion, Slapshot night for that one, I guess, right? <laughs> well, who doesn't who, love yeah. slap
2: shot? <laughs> who doesn't love slap shot? That's right. No, uh those those guys do a lot of stuff. I know they're out of Pittsburgh. My brother knows them pretty well and uh I know they travel around and and always do their little appearances and stuff. So uh world world probably worldwide famous for uh, the movie they put out. It's uh, I think the best movie to watch on the bus I don't think there's been a hockey <laughs> fan or hockey player that hasn't seen it so um, I think that's awesome but again seeing a different jersey coming into the rink I think is really cool for the fans to come in and and see that instead of seeing wilkes and Hershey all the time and you can so, only beat the yeah. so many
0: times before you know and no, it's always still fun to beat the
2: Bengals. yeah oh it is it is you got that right
0: how much grief uh do you give your brother over uh or do you you know, mention it at all when the uh, penguins and phantoms or penguins and flyers tussle?
2: Um, Not, not too much. Uh, He, he does a lot of the, just the TV stuff for them, but it's more Wilkes-Barre just because his uh, wife is from Wilkes-Barre and her family still lives there. So whenever we go there, it's kind of like, I consider more of that his team of where he kind of started his pro career as well so um, I think it's always good to go in there and beat those guys but um, I think just the the rivalry and the battle of Pennsylvania with the Flyers and Penguins um, I don't think it really gets any better than that I think no matter what for as long as we live and those two teams are in in this state (laughs) you're always going to have that.
0: For those who uh, haven't listened to the podcast before, heard us talk about it, Riley's brother Casey was a uh, Penguins player as well and, and a scranton Wilkesbury player. So um, we're, that's the rivalry we're referencing here.
2: <laughs> yeah, and it did. It, it goes deep. Um, I know when I, he played for uh, the Penguins in wilkes they they would go in and play the Phantoms out of the spectrum, out of the old rink there, and uh, they had some uh, good scraps. Hockey was a little different back then, so um no I, th- I think it's awesome though I think it's great uh I I love going up there and playing against uh Wilkes-Barre and I like going down to Hershey too great fans I think uh us Hershey and Wilkes-Barre um even though we play so play each other so much like we were just in Hershey the other day and there was 10,500 hmm. you know and you you come here and we got six seven thousand a night and Wilkes-Barre does well too, so it's always fun. You go into ranks and you got a lot of people that's there. You, that's what you're there yeah. for, right? Yeah, you know, exactly. Even if
0: the fans are against you, that's yeah. For the fun is just it is. It, the, the arena's rocking and the music's loud and you know you're having fun.
2: Yeah, exactly, yeah, ex- exactly. So it, I think it's cool for the guys to go in there and play in front of you know 10,000 fans. When I, when I when I was in Worcester, we'd have like hundred. So uh, <laughs> I think it's even cool to go out there and stand on the bench.
0: How much is our um, call ups going to affect the run down the stretch here do you think
2: i 'm um, not too sure you know we have the trade deadline um, coming up on friday uh, i don 't know what moves will be made uh, here, um, but I think you know depending on what is, there could be some guys that go up and you know some guys that come down uh, that's that 's a little out of my pay grade yeah. uh, I just accept whatever happens and and work with the guys that are here and hopefully get more guys ready to, to kind of go up and play for the Flyers as well. So um, I I do think it's it's a nervous time and an exciting time. You know, they're, they are humans. They have families and, and kids and stuff, and it sucks when someone gets traded, but sometimes it's good for the player as well to kind of get a fresh start if things aren't going well, and I guess that team wants them, yeah. you know. So um, we'll kind of see what happens here over the next couple of days.
0: Yes, yeah, I read some of the stories this week about some of the flyers, you know, names who've been there for quite a while have may be on the move, and yeah. that's going to create some some opportunities. Yeah, and
2: I think that's what guys want. That's what they play for. And um, yeah, you know, we already had was, one
0: call up this week, right?
2: Yeah, uh, we just had. Well, Lick up there. Elliot Day Day One A just went up um, as well, uh, playing against the Rangers tonight. So. Um, you know, it's it's cool. It's cool to go on turn on the TV and you, you know, you've been working with some guys here all, all year and now they're playing up there and you get to watch them and um you know, it's a it's a pretty cool re- reward that we get as coaches to kind of see the the work we've put in, the the work the players put in and now they're on the big stage.
0: How much um, do you have to work with them when they come back? You know, some some of these guys go up because of an injury they kind of know when they go up they're probably not going to be there you know too long but maybe there's a guy who goes up who thinks he may be be staying and then he's suddenly not
2: yeah and that's more of a mindset you know you gotta more more talk to them about you know get back to work get back to doing what got you the call up and you know some guys come down and they think it's oh i played there and they have a lot of confidence but they get away from their game and uh, lappy does a really good job at Uh, bringing them off cloud nine pretty quick and getting them back to work so um, he he usually grabs them right you know if that happens and they come back and to to dial them back in
0: all right riley armstrong it's going to be a fun month it is i'm i'm pumped for it and good playoff push and see what happens thanks coach armstrong and thanks to all of you for listening to our show Our listenership has been growing steadily over the last couple of months, and we really appreciate you spreading the word, giving our podcast a review, and listening to each episode. Stuck on 22 is available on all of the major podcast platforms, and you can leave us a comment on most of those platforms or on our Twitter page, which is at Stuck on 22. Until next time, I'm Joe Corcoran. Thanks for listening.